solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to a, I guess we can call this, a Lost Friday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Super excited to talk about today's, talk about the Texans for today's episode. The Locked On NFL Draft Podcast relaunched on September 20th with brand new host Eric Crocker brings you the player scouting. Ryan Tracy brings the analytics. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on YouTube the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Cody Davis, welcome into today's show. A lot of people will have their ideas and opinions on what happened on Thursday Night Football, Houston's only primetime game. Give the folks a rundown before we hop into the, the stats recap. Well, on this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, the recap Friday of Locked On Texans, of course, we're going to talk about the Texans defense. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad, John, to let you know. Um, as you know, listeners, John, there are not too many MVAs that we're going to give out on today um, because there wasn't too that there wasn't a lot of good that came out of this game and then we're going to close out this friday installment of locked on texans um just talking about a get just giving a quick recap on davis mills's performance but to get this friday installment of locked on texans kicked off we're going to talk about the offense and john and listeners and 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 john before i jump into it i want you to give the stats some important numbers on what took place on last night. And after that, I think it's time for me to have a little bit of a moment. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to let you have your moment. For the Houston Texans, Davis Mills went 19 to 28 for 168 yards, one touchdown, no interception, which was very encouraging. However, four sacks for the QBR rating of 57.5, a passer rating of 95.5. The Houston Texans failed to rush for over 50 yards, which is something the Carolina Panthers have done throughout the course of now three games. No opponent have ran over 50 yards. And the Houston Texans on 17 carries, <clears throat> excuse me, only had 42 rushing yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Brandon Cooks, man, you know, I don't know how many bright spots we may have when the season is over, but I think Brandon Cooks will be one of them. Nine catches for 112 yards. Anthony Miller returned. After suffering his shoulder injury, he had four catches for 20 yards and one touchdown. Zach Cunningham, 14 total tackles. Christian Kersey, 10 total tackles. And Houston was able to get after Sam Darnold three times, three sacks for Houston, three pass deflections as well. Houston had 57 return kick return yards. Andre Roberts, man, you know, I guess we can save to talk about him later. And, and the good thing about them playing tonight is over the weekend, we'll be able to kind of enjoy some of the football team. But, Cody, I'm going to take a lot of good time looking at the film from this game, man, and, and talk about some of the things that I saw. Uh, but overall, one thing that I think stood out to me the most, Houston was 1-9 and nine on third down. Uh, and, and only – had 3.9 yards per play and the difference of 241 yards 
that the Panthers had over them. You know, the Panthers had 407 yards, 290 passing yards, and 117 rushing yards, even without Christian McCaffrey, who went out with a hamstring injury. So uh, the Panthers was able to collectively do a good job on the ground, including Sam Darnold, who threw for over 300 yards and two rushing touchdowns. And, and I think that with that stat line, Houston had seven penalties as well. One on one in the red zone. It was just, they were not able to sustain drives. And I'm going to go ahead and let you take the floor. And John and listeners, and I'm pretty sure I might have some people who disagree with me with this statement that I'm about to say, but the Houston Texans could have and should have won this game. And to me, John, listeners, this might have been one of the most frustrating games watching the play calling from the Houston Texans because and and I and I was so disappointed in the play calling because ever since what Bill O'Brien walked out the door you and I have been talking about oh man the play calling has looked really good kudos to Tim Kelly kudos to this person kudos to that person the first two games of the season the MVAs always went to Tim Kelly there was a stretch in these first two weeks where you and I spent what two three days talking about Tim Kelly, talking about David Cully and how great this offense looked. I understood going into a game with a rookie quarterback, an unproven rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback that is a third round draft pick who is a prospect. I understood that there are certain things that you cannot do with Davis Mills that you could do with Deshaun Watson, that you can do with Tyrod Taylor. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put this loss on the Houston Texans coaching staff and their play calling. And Davis Mills, uh, I'm going to save it for later on in the show. I think he played uh, He played decent enough. I think he was pretty decent in his first He was decent Cody. enough. You know what, Cody? Is he a coaching uh, points? I've seen a lot of people already in them Texan Twitter streets, and it's almost 1 o'clock, agree with what you're about to say. I think the Texans coaching staff failed Davis Mills last night. I really do. And one of the things that bugged me the most, John and listeners, was the fact that you are going up against one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers defense is legit. They could not forget anything going in the run game, and yet they continuously ran the football for no reason and the one and, and the reason why I, I i feel so aggravated about the texans play calling today the 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 two plays that stood out to me going back to the first half i believe it was midway through the second quarter the texans were third and 15 and they called david johnson's number to run up the B gap, if I'm not mistaken. He only gained seven yards and they had to punt the football. If you are third and 15 in your own territory, why are you running the football with David Johnson out of all people? Then the one play that bugged me the most, and I'm and I think this is the play that got everybody. The Texans were down by one point. It was seven to six. 
And Davis Mills in the offense put together a pretty solid drive to open up the third quarter. It was fourth and 36 in Carolina, in the Carolina Panthers territory. Why in the hell are you punting the football on fourth and 36 when you're deep in Carolina's territory and you could have kicked the field goal that would have put you up nine to seven at the moment? The Panthers started out the game looking fairly decent. But after Christian McCaffrey went down with a hamstring injury, they did not look good on offense. The Texans had multiple opportunities where they could have been aggressive attacking the Carolina Panthers, especially the secondary that lost not one, but two of their top defensive backs. I did not understand the play calling. The Texans failed. The Texans coaching staff failed this team big time. Even with the loss of Tyrod Taylor, even with Deshaun Watson sitting at home, even with an unproven quarterback in Davis Mills, who once again played fairly, fairly decent, this loss is on David Culley, Tim Kelly, and that whole entire coaching staff. This play calling on Thursday night in front of the national audience was terrible. But we've been talking about how great of a play calling uh, play caller Tim Kelly has been so far this year. And to, like you mentioned, to drop it, to drop the ball on Thursday. And, you know, I'll say this, Cody, and I can't wait to continuously talk about the rest of this game, but maybe they were just not comfortable early on. And that's that that drive that uh, Davis Mills went down and scored on. Uh, Mills looked like he was ready. And there were certain did. parts throughout the game where – he looked comfortable. He even said it in a press conference after the game. You know, you can take the good with the bad, but I look, I, I felt comfortable. And uh, you know, I can see a, I can see a scenario. Well, I can see the reasoning behind being upset at Tim Kelly, but I'll say this, Cody. Houston's offensive line right now has been built for Deshaun Watson. Let me tell you why. Throughout the course of three games, only four sacks. If we go back to the past couple of years, three games in, Deshaun Watson would have been sacked maybe 10 plus times right now. This is a very good pass rushing, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, pass blocking offensive line. On the flip side, Houston's offensive line is not built for Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Phillip Lindsay, who, by the way, the next time Houston plays football, Scotty Phillips deserved more touches than Phillip Lindsay. And, I, and I'm okay with admitting when I'm wrong, but Phillip Lindsay looks terrible right now. Man. He looks terrible. The entire running game looks terrible. And it looked terrible in the preseason, but the only bright spot throughout the entire preseason was always Scotty Phillips. Now, maybe because he went against two and threes, but at some point throughout the preseason, so did Phillip Lindsay. And he still ain't look good. So I want to get back to the offensive line. Like, they were not able to get to the second level. They were not able to get a real push. Derrick Brown and them boys, man, they were really eating the interior uh, of the offensive lineup, which made it hard for running backs to get in space. And if a team that has a rookie quarterback is not able to run the ball, then the rest of the offense will be crippled. That is what it is. But to your point – I did see some things on Thursday night 
uh, that I like. Like they opened up with that Brandon Cooks play. I like that. Mm-hmm. How they tried to work Anthony Miller back in. You know, I like the fact that Aikens was involved a little bit, right? They were really, I think, handcuffed because they cannot run the ball. And the Carolina Panthers are a team, at least in the first, before Thursday game, they they hadn't allowed over 50 rushing yards. And we weren't really expecting for Houston to, you know, kind of go over that, but they ain't good, man. They're not good with running that ball right now. They're good with pass blocking, but they're not good with running that ball. John, really quick before moving on, I do want to mention this. At first, I kind of understood the Texans being conservative in their play calling because, look, everyone knew the situation. Davis Mills, an unproven quarterback, I understood it. But after he led that team to close out the first half on a, I think it was like a nine, ten play drive for like 67 yards. And, of course, it ended on when he connected with Anthony Miller for the only touchdown of the game. Coming out of halftime, I was expecting the Texans to be more aggressive because at that point, J.C. Horn was gone. Um, I can't remember the other defensive back that the Panthers lost, but he was gone as well. Davis Mills started to look comfortable. Brandon Cooks and Mills was connecting. I, I just I, I wanted to see more in the second half, and they should have struck while the iron was hot, and they didn't because they was too conservative in their play calling. My whole entire, this whole entire week, and I'm going to stick by this theme as long as he's out there. You need to see what you have in Davis Mills. I'm not saying go out there and call a phenomenal game like if Deshaun Watson or Tyrod Taylor are out there, but you gotta, you you you, you gotta call a better game. There's no way in hell the Texans should have ran the ball that many times against the Carolinas front seven. As it, it, it was terrible. Celebrate freedom of choice. You know why? Because Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors to choose from. There's something for everyone. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and so much more. If you haven't tried all the flavors, go ahead and get that mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carb. Order today and get that grasshopper cookie, raspberry, or whatever you like. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Bill.com and use promo code Locked On and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code Locked On for 15% off at BillBar.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday recap of Locked On Texans. We, you know, we talked about. The offensive play calling, John, I'm sticking to my gut. I do believe that's the main reason why the Texans are one and two as we sit here today. But, John, if I'm Nick Casario, I'm signing Justin Reed to a contract extension tonight, today, tomorrow, whatever it is. I'm also – I'm I'm also saying Eric Murray should not be on that field no more. 100%. The safeties, for some odd reason, played uh, hard, 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 soft coverage in Thursday's game. 
And that allowed the receivers. There was one time, now one time was on Zach Cunningham, but there was one time where I want to say it was Moore or Marshall. And I'll, I, and I'll be able to go back and watch film once we get that. But they were able to kind of sit in between the linebacker and the safety. And because they were so far from one another, they were maybe six to eight yards of space in between the receiver and linebacker and the safety coming up behind him to make a play. That was so, that was literally all night. And so I don't want to put that on Murray because both of those safeties were playing that hard, that far back. Both of them. And the entire defense were playing soft co- uh, zone coverage all night. And to me, I was wondering why that wasn't a, a point of emphasis at halftime to make an adjustment out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those safeties, I'm sorry, those receivers were able to get behind the linebacker. They were able to get in between the, the second and third level and just sit at times. Uh, but I will say, when I look at where the Panthers really won this game, Davis Mills went down, scored, missed a field goal, but went into halftime down seven and six. So you only have one point differential, made it a game, right? And at that point, we're looking at the fact that Christian McCaffrey went out their best player, maybe this is a situation where Houston can kind of do what Cleveland did last week. Houston had all them good players go out at key positions, and then it allowed Cleveland to take the lead and then close out the game, right? But in that second half, the Panthers, nine plays, 91 yards, that took four minutes and 17 seconds. That was a touchdown. Ten plays, 56 yards, six minutes and 31 seconds. That ended in a field goal. 12 plays, 75 yards, five minutes and two minutes. I'm sorry, five minutes and two seconds. That ended in the touchdown. You combine that with Houston being one for third, one for nine on third down, not being able to run the ball. You know, I look at it like this. The defensive Line did their job, I think, all night. I'm very proud of those defensive front. And I do still have some NVAs that I want to give out to a couple of those young guys. But outside of that front four, uh, I, I think the second and third level struggled all night. They were not able to get off the damn field, Cody. When you got nine and 12 plays, 91 yards, 75, you got two drives where you – allowed the Panthers offense to get over 70 yards and they ate up their clock. Right. I, hmm. I think Ree, you're right. You, and you started off perfectly. Reed needs to, he, he needs to be etched in stone. He's going to be a Texan hmm. for the next couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was talking to a guy on Twitter and I was talking to my, my buddy about this and I don't know how long Zach Cunningham going to be in town to be completely honest with you. Now, he did lead the team in tackles, but if you go back and watch that tape, a lot of Zach Cunningham's tape, uh, tackles are coming at the third level. He plays at the second level. He's still over in the gaps. He's still not, he's, he's still having issues with getting to his hole and making that play. He's still missing a lot of tackles. But I think Houston lost his game in that second half. You can say play calling, and I understand that, 91-56-75. John, to your point, and we're going to get to your MVAs in a second, but the reason why the Texans still had a chance to win this game was because of that front four. That yes. front four did a hell of a job 
Thursday night. And I kind of feel for him because it came at the result of a loss. But nearly every player who lined up on that front four, it didn't matter if it was Roy Lopez, John Grenard, Jacob Martin, <laughs> Ross Blacklock, every single one of those guys played very good. And after the game, we had an opportunity to speak to Ross Blacklock. And Blacklock said, after Christian McCaffrey went out with that hamstring injury, mm -hmm. he said, the D-line got together and said, let's turn up the heat. Let's pressure them even more. Because now you know there's a good possibility that they're not going to run the ball as much as possible because one of the best running backs in the league is not back there. There were times... I was looking at Sam Darnold, and I was like, okay, this is the Sam Darnold that we saw in New York. And you got to give kudos to every single one of those guys. Absolutely. And I, and I might as well go ahead and transition to my NVAs. And real quick, you're right. When Christian McCaffrey went down, I, I thought Darnold went back and, and put out that green, that Jets green and black. Exactly. Said, okay, <laughs> this is the Sam Darnold mm -hmm. that uh, I like to slander. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he did, he did, he did finish that game off pretty good. I think so. So kudos to Sam Darnold. But to my NVAs, Cody, the 2020 draft class, the guys that are left. Who was that? Ross, Ross Blacklock, Blacklock, Jonathan Gennaro. Ross Blacklock got his first career sack. Kudos to that man from the city of Houston, out of Missouri City. Mo City, stand up. And Jonathan Gennaro, he got his second career sack. Both of those two guys look great and and I one thing that I like about Ross Blacklock is he did say that last year he was thrown in the fire we know what happened last year he also mentioned that in so many words the three four defense don't fit what I can do the four three defense fits what I can do hmm. uh and he and he gave kudos to Lovey Smith to come in here and implementing it but those two guys look good all night to me Cody to be completely honest with you and if I want to stay on the defensive side of the ball, I thought Lonnie Johnson looked – this is what I thought about Lonnie Johnson. I thought Lonnie Johnson was a player at that safety position that just needs just to read on the other side of him. But he has seven tackles. Uh, and, and like I mentioned a couple of you know minutes ago, I'm curious as to why they played so far back throughout the entirety of the game. But one thing I like about Lonnie Johnson is he's going to make a tackle. One thing I don't like about Eric Murray, he's he's gonna miss a tackle. He's gonna I miss tackles, Lonnie, coverages, and everything else in between. Yo, my gosh, I thought Lonnie <laughs> looked good, but I, I would say my two biggest NVAs right now is Ross Blacklock and Jonathan Grenard. I think those mm. two guys, you know, and, and Grenard's coming off an ankle injury. I think those two guys are two players, two young players on that defensive front that will be a positive light for Houston moving forward. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I can see Grenard getting more snaps as time goes by at that DN position. And I can see Charles Omenehu playing more of an inside defensive tackle as time goes by as well. After two weeks of the NFL regular season, there's still time to make the most of it with a better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Run Your Pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends, family, and office mates. They offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 
33 and more. Run your pool host formats the NFL and college football with one-week games, full season, playoffs, or the Super Bowl. Unlike other fantasy sports platforms, Run Your Pool has options and settings to make it your own. You can even brand your pool for your local business, bars, or restaurant. Reconnect with friends and joining nearly 2 million football fans to make every game action-packed this season. Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are now on the gridiron as teams are back on the field to start a football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Betting on the Houston Texans may lose you some money, but it doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Best podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get any picks, blowout specials, wrong team, favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Best podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we close out this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, of course, we got to talk about the rookie, the guy everybody was nervous to see, but I think a lot of people came away from that game. I would say uh, more faithful. Have have a little bit more faith in him, Cody. I would say that because, okay, like realistically, with, with a Panther team that we've seen to start the NFL year, Okay, the odds were against Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay, we get that. But he still went out there and only missed nine of his throws. And I think early on, he was doing a lot of dumping the ball off. He did not have an interception. I thought that was something that was very... Uh, encouraging? Encouraging, yeah, to say the least. You know, it's, it's his first game. And I'll say this. Zach Wilson's first couple of games in the league, I mean, he got what he got like five interceptions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Davis Mills looked all right, man. I think yeah. he looked all right. Yeah, and, and I think so too. That's why, you know, going back to my original statement to open up this show um, in the first segment, I do believe that the play calling failed Davis Mills. And over the weekend, especially since the Texans are not playing on Sunday, I'm actually going to take time and watch Justin Field make his first start. I'm going to watch um, I can't wait to see that. Trevor Lawrence again. I'm going to watch Zach Wilson. I'm going to watch Mac Jones. And the reason why I'm saying that is because one day next week, John, I actually want to com- compare Davis Mills' performance to some of the other rookies out there and, and actually see how does he hold up to some of the other rookie quarterbacks around the league. But, John, I think yesterday was a start in the right direction, and it's something that he can actually build on and continue learning from. Now, is this performance – does the performance give me confidence to say that, okay, it's time to hand the keys over to Davis Mills? No, because there were some times where it's like, oh, damn, why did he throw that ball? I do want to mention this, John, and you mentioned it – 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he did. He looked good when he got out there pocket. I will say that. But I do but I do want to mention this, John, and I'm gonna give you your credit for this because you actually brought this to my attention. But Davis Mills do need to learn how to make more than one read. There was multiple times throughout that game. It seems like he already had in his mind who he was going to throw the ball to without even looking. And I wanted to bring that up because I remember earlier in the week, you mentioned that Davis Mills is a one-read quarterback. And in order for him to take that next step, and he has several steps to take, that should be his next goal. Read the field just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But overall... Let me tell you something. I, and I thought he was going to go. This is my stat line for Davis Mills before the game. You know, I thought he was going to throw at least one touchdown because he's shown that he's going to get the ball in, in the end zone at least once. But I thought he was going to go uh-huh. out and throw at least two, two interceptions. Everybody did. Everybody did. Yeah, and he didn't do that. So, you know, whether that was due to drop interceptions or whatever, it's a zero in the stat column. Hmm. Overall, I think moving forward because Houston's next few opponents Mm-mm-mm. got the Bills, got the Patriots, and those are two very tough defenses. And then you have the Colts, then you have the Cardinals. <laughs> no, that Cardinals oh. game. <laughs> you, know, you know, I hope you know. Tyrod is back by then. Is, does that line up with the four games or you or what? One, two, three. That would be the fifth game. Okay, so that might be the game he's back. But, you know, the Cardinals, let's keep it at Buffalo, Patriots, and Colts. Mm-hmm. And the Colts right now are on two. They're having their issues with Carson Wentz. And you mentioned that, earlier, you know, months ago. This man sprained not one but two ankles. My goodness. But Davis Mills is about to go up against three very good defenses. Um and I mentioned in our keys to success for the Locked On Network, the Texans have to be patient with him. Hmm. And not just for the game against the Panthers, against the Bills, against the Patriots, against the Colts. And if Tyrod isn't ready, come playing time against the Cardinals. God, I hope he is. have to be patient, you know, then. So, Houston has a very tough stretch of games coming up, man. And uh, it's they're going to be hard-pressed to find a game. If there is a game that they can win in the Knicks, I'll go ahead and say to the Cardinals, I think there is a chance that they could beat the New England Patriots. I'll be at the game, and I, I think there's a chance they could beat them uh, because they have a rookie quarterback, just like we do. And, and so we'll see how Lady Smith game plans around that. Doesn't matter what you do. You ain't going to win with rushing 40, 42 yards on the ground and Philip Lindsay playing like how he playing. I don't know what it is, but somebody needs to light a fire under his ass. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter at Some Sports Guy. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page. Like and comment. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are locked on Texans. 
your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.